0: A big struggle that I had during this past couple months was just to be in the moment and not worry about what's coming next or what the future is going to look like, which is really difficult during a pandemic because everything was changing so much. There were just things happening or things not happening. And at the same time, I was pregnant and about to give birth and I had a two-year-old at home And I also had a husband who was an essential worker. So he was going in every day at work and he wasn't knowing where he was gonna be working that day, which floor he was gonna be on. He got pulled from his normal floor and actually worked with corona patients. So there were just a lot of things going on that were not my norm. And I'm a very type A personality. I like to have A, B, and C, and it lines up to D. And that's not what life is. There's a lot of different things that happen. And even though I do A, B, C, it doesn't always work out to D. And that's what I was facing being pregnant. A a life is forming inside of you and you have no idea what's going on until the baby comes out. And my son was going through changes because he's growing older. And my husband's going through changes and I was getting very anxious. So that's something that I really already deal with. And then the pandemic just brought it up to a whole different level. So with that, I always have a choice, right? God's word says that do not be anxious because God is with you. And so I constantly struggle with knowing the truth because I do know it, but then I see reality. And we learn that faith is seeing reality, but choosing to believe that God has the power to keep his promises. And I was really struggling with that, and multiple levels. I was struggling with that with the world, right? All these people are are dying and people are hurting, and so many people's lives are being changed. They don't know if they're gonna have a job, they don't know if their family's gonna live or not. And then to my own family level of, is my husband gonna get it? Is he gonna take it home to us? And so my tendency is to control I was like, you can't do this, you have to shower, you have to do all these things, don't come near me. And I remember there was this one time we found out his coworker actually had the virus and he sits with him in the same office. And I was just like, do we socially distance you at home? We live in this small apartment, how would I even accomplish that? Do I have to wipe everything down? My personality was like OCD, what do I have to do? But then I remember thinking to myself, I have no control over this. It's happened already. We need Him with us. I need help. I'm how many months pregnant? I have a toddler and I need my husband around me. So in that moment, I really had a choice. Am I going to control, take matters into my own hands to try to achieve a certain outcome? Or am I gonna trust what God says and know that He's in control and know that whether we get it or when we don't get it, He's gonna take care of us. And that was just one out of many times that I had to choose to do that. But was making that choice easy? Absolutely not. And I still have to make that choice every day. The problem that I am seeing in myself is that I really think that if I keep knowing what comes next or if I have a solution for everything, then my anxiety will go away and my fear will go away. But it's just not true because When one worry goes away, another worry pops up. When one fear goes away, another fear comes up. Or it just presents itself in different ways, especially as a mother. I have a newborn now and I'm like, will she get it? Is she okay? And it's just a never ending thing. So the only way that can be fixed or the only way that I can have peace in my heart is if I remember what God says. And if I choose to have faith, and if I remember that knowing the answer or knowing the solution is not going to bring me peace. It's just knowing who's always with me. And there are some days where it's so on my mind and I feel like I'm winning. And then there are other days where I completely forget about it and I find myself feeling very sad and very lost. So I really remember what I learned in Romans during Growth Catalyst that you won't know what to do, but then your flesh doesn't let you do that. So I'm constantly teetering back and forth between control and faith, control and faith. So one of the things that I've really been praying for throughout this whole thing is for God to keep me in the moment, for me to keep my eyes focused on today because that's what he says. Tomorrow's tomorrow, the past is the past, all I have is this moment. And I keep thinking of daily bread, in the Bible, and that's really what I say to myself when I find myself already getting anxious about the future. I stop and I say, Justine, daily bread. That's all God asks you to focus on. It's the strength He gives you for today. Um, He doesn't prepare you for tomorrow today. He prepares you for today today. So what I've been really trying to focus my prayer on is asking God to keep me here in the today and to always bring to light His goodness in my mind and for me to choose to see that He's coming through in even the small ways.
1: So can you relate to that story? Can you relate to this idea that you're like, okay, how do I get this fixed? How do do I get this fixed to where I'm like, how do I get to the place where I can just have peace all the time? How do I get the place where I take what I know is true and be able to apply it to my life and now, matter of fact, when it comes to breakthrough, a lot of us look at life that way. We're looking for that. Breakthrough moment. We're looking for that moment when okay, that changes everything. Every, once once that happens, I, I'll be all set. If you are uh, younger, you may be in the place where you're like, hey, if if I ever, if I man, if I j- just get that girlfriend, right? If I get into that college, if I get that job, get married. You, these these different things in our life. Even this week, you had ideas. You're like, oh, if this would just happen, then then ah, then it'd be okay. So, is God not keeping his promise? He makes really big promises. Is is God not keeping his promise when this happens? Like, wait, it, it's here. It happened. All right. So I got this big moment that's happened in my life. I'm gonna build my life on this moment. I'm gonna build my life. And you're like, man, that's not so stable. <gasps> got it. I bet you've experienced this, and you're like, Woo-hoo! My life's great. Somebody comes up to you. How you doing? Oh, God's so good. God's so good. He's great. He's awesome. I'm good. Everything's great. And woo! Really positive. Everything. Then after a while, though, you're like, wait, I kind of like more to my life. I like to grow. I like to add. But there's a problem. When you're building on that moment your life kind of looks like this. And I bet for some of you, for many of us, your life feels just like this. Like it's going to fall apart at any time. So, if uh, there was ever a time that we could talk about that happening, it would be now, huh? And, you know, for years, people would... We, we naturally, we're complainers, like, "Ah, oh, i never seen anything like this, never seen anything like this. But for our generation... We never have seen anything like this. Like, this is wild. And people keep talking about 2020, right? Yeah, I can't wait till 2020 is over because somehow magically it's all going to change when the year changes, right? What's God doing? What, what is God doing? We as a church, we, we're streaming along. Like we were, we were trying to figure out how we were going to get over the, like the 500 level thing, you know? And now you're like, what are we going to do? What? It's like, what, what it? so what is God doing in times like these? Well, God is not, when He thinks of a breakthrough, He doesn't think of one thing that happens and then the rest of your life is okay. Your life is not actually a movie. It doesn't work that there's a problem and then somebody solves the problem and then, ah, it's great. God wants to grow us. He wants to grow you. Because we think of a breakthrough as though, okay, once that breakthrough happens, then the circumstances of my life will be such that it will it will smooth out, it'll be good. God looks at it as though, no, 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 no. If you grow, when you grow, no matter what happens to the circumstances later, which are going to be unpredictable at the least, when you grow, when you mature, you're able to handle those situations in a very different way and actually even produce good in really bad situations. What God wants to do is to grow us individually, he wants to grow us as a church. That's what he does. He loves to grow us. The Bible says, for we are not meant to remain as children at the mercy of every chance wind of teaching. In other words, every little thing that comes along, you're like, this is where I'm headed. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get this done. And then something comes along and, and we head over here. This is what I believe. Yeah, this is really great. I'm going to build my life. And then we're, and temptation comes along and we, we, we go off this way and we go off this way. So we, we never get anywhere. We're like children in a candy store. You walk in, okay, you can have one piece of candy. God says, I, I, don't, want you to, I don't want you to live like that. Instead, we are meant to hold firmly to the truth in love and to grow up in every way unto Christ. Now, kind of give you a big principle right off the bat. God, the way that Justine talked about it is very, very true. God is not trying to give you a breakthrough so then life is smooth. God wants to grow with you. He wants to to teach you how, and he wants you to experience what it's like to be able to experience Christ and power and, and peace in the midst of uncertainty, In the midst of the times when you feel afraid, in the midst of the craziest times, in the midst of temptation, in the midst of failure, he wants you to be able to walk with him, experience him during that time. In other words, to grow up onto Christ Jesus. So how do you grow? Well, we're going to take a look at six laws of spiritual growth. God has clearly built the world based on physics and laws and principles. Um, if, you, if you're a scientist at all, if you've ever studied the way the world is put together, the mathematical part of it's incredible. There's all these formulas. There's a second law of thermodynamics. There's lots of laws and, and different things that he has put together that way. Same thing's true for growth. You either follow those. One of those is gravity. Anybody here not believe in Gravity. You don't have to believe in gravity. You don't have to believe in gravity, but it doesn't matter. You're going to fall anyway. Why? It's a principle. You can either live within those principles, or you can break yourself against those principles. And so we're going to take a look at these. You either can follow these principles and and hope for a breakthrough, or you can... I mean, not follow these principles and hope for a breakthrough. Or you can go, no, no, this is how we grow. So here we go. Number one, we grow when we feed on the Word of God. Anybody miss breakfast? Okay, good. Do you plan on missing lunch? No. It's really cool, right? We have this thing inside of us that goes, time to eat. Some of us, it goes off way more than it should. But you're, you, you know that healthy eating leads to growth. You know that's a very simple principle in life. People need more than bread for their lives. They must, fee- they must feed on every word of God. You need more than the peanut butter sandwich. You need more than what the earth has to offer. You need the every word that comes from God, from God. The word of grace is able to build you up and give you all, that ble- all the blessing that God has for people. You need the Word of God. Now, the Word of God is not magical. It's alive. It's different than any other book. And you may say, I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't understand it. This is an important principle. It is on you to come to the place that you understand the Bible. It's on us to teach it to you. It's on us to be willing and be able to teach it to you. But every individual person, it is on you to do that. And how do you do it? One, you hear, you listen to it just like you're doing right now. Two, you read it. Three, you study it. Study it means that once I begin to read it and I run into a word I don't understand, I look it up. And then when I don't understand how that word fits into what the, the conversation is, then I read ahead of it and behind it and, and get the context of it. And then when I still don't understand it, I call my life group leader. Or I call somebody uh, at church or I email Pastor Chris and I find out, wait a minute, what's this passage talking about? What's going on here? You're studying, finding out what it says. Then I memorize it. Memorizing is it's an amazing, powerful tool in your life. It's incredible what it does. I'm going to talk about it a little bit more uh, later on. Meditate. Meditate is w- w- how do I do? What do I? How do I put this into my life? What do I do with it? What does this mean for what's going on between me and God? And lastly, to apply it. And so the action step is a daily time for with God for 40 days. So during these uh, every almost every year we have a campaign. Last year it was called Stronger Together this this year it's called stronger together in prayer uh, last year seems like it was ten years ago but it was incredible what we experienced remember we learned how to tell stories to each other remember being in group and, and, and talking to each other and getting to know people and You're like whoa I had no idea we had an incredible experience last year and we're going to again this year and so we're we're gonna ask you to pick up one of these books which is a daily has a daily time with God so that for the next 40 days you spend a little bit of time with God every day. It's critical to growth. Number two, we grow when we learn in different ways. You are so different. This, this, is, this is almost un, unfathomable. There are six billion people in the world. You're not like any of them. Your fingerprints are different. Your eye prints different. I think your toe prints are different. I just logically thought that would be true. Is that true? Yes. It's true. He's a nurse. He knows what he's talking about. You, your DNA is different. No one is like you. You learn differently than other people. In many ways, John preached the good news to the people in different ways that he would communicate to them. And, uh, and some of you, you learn by listening. You're, you're great at, at, when you hear it, you got it. You, you're, the, you're the few that come to church, and, and you got it. You understand it. You go from there. Um, and so you're auditory in, in the way that you do it. Others of you, you read it. It's when you read it, you're like, ah, oh, makes sense to me now. I read it. And, and for couples, lots of times, they get really frustrated with each other because one of them is a watching, reading person. They can read it, and they, oh, it means this. And the other person's like, how did you get that? I don't understand. I don't get how you got that. Because that's the way you are. You're wired that way. And then others of you, it's by talking. You've heard it and you've read it, but it's not until you start to talk about it. For some of you, you actually understand it better as you begin to try to explain it and the light bulbs start to go off inside of you. Or you hear somebody else talk about that. It gets you going and away you go. And and then also by doing it. Men tend to be this way, I'm this way. Don't give me instructions to put something together. Don't. I could read those instructions over and over and over again, but let me do it. And once I do it, I've got it. I'm like that with uh, driving places. I can drive places one or two times. After that, I come back to that place, I know exactly where it is. I, I, know, I know all of what's going on because I did it. I experienced it. And, and a lot of us learn different ways. God speaks in different ways, and we don't always recognize his voice. Now, over the next 40 days, we're going to have nine different ways you're going to be able to interact with God's word. We're going to interact with the ability to know and to grow. Nine different ways that you're going to be able to experience what God has to say, for you, say to you. So no matter how you learn, you're going to be able to grow in what we're going to do over this next little bit of time. Number three, we grow when we develop spiritual habits. Now, that now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you practice them. Habits, practice them. Like you do them consistently. What do you think of when someone says habit? What's the first emotional reaction? What's your, how do you respond? I always go, oh, boring. Oh, doing the same thing over and over again. Oh, boring. And hard. Oh, that's hard. I mean, anytime somebody's talking, they're like, okay, now, here's seven great habits. I'm like, oh. I bet that's hard. A lot of believers, a lot of people who follow Christ, I hear them say, the Christian life is hard. Oh, it's so hard. It's because... The habits you're trying to practice are being forced on you from the outside in. They're boring when they're forced on you from the outside in. They're hard when you're trying to practice something that's actually not a habit. It's from the outside in is that pressure on you. Solid food is for the mature Those uh, whose minds have been trained by practice to know the difference between good and evil. Another passage says, all good athletes train hard and practice to get better. They do it to win a prize that will not last. But we practice to win a prize that will last forever. So part part of this habit thing is to understand, wait a minute, wait a minute. Whatever good habits that I develop, productive habits that I develop, this is is forever. If you know anything about athletes, terrific athletes, like elite athletes have two things. They have incredible disciplined habits. They actually live a life that when I find out how they live their life, I'm like, I'm not so sure I want to live like that. They're so disciplined in their habits. And number two, they have incredible talent. They have amazing talent. You go watch a little league game, and, and all the parents are like, Man, I think they might be able might be able to play in the majors, I think, one day. No. When a kid's gonna play in the majors, everybody knows it. Because they got talent. Guess what? We are practicing to win a prize that will last forever. You do need to develop the, hub, the habits to grow, but you don't have to have the talent. See, Jesus does this amazing thing where he calls people who are lesser, who don't have the talent, and does amazing things with them. Matter of fact, it's often said that, that really successful people, not elite people, successful people are people, just ordinary people who've begun to develop habits good habits in their life. Here's the last thing I want you to deposit about ha- habits. This is really cool. Habits, once they've developed, come from the inside out. Habits, once they're developed, they come from the inside out. And they, comp- they continue to pay without effort. What do you mean? You ever meet somebody who says... Uh, yeah, I got in on Amazon early, or I got in on Apple early. The first thing you do is you like you're jealous, okay? Then after you get over the jealousy, you want to ask them how much money do you make? Now think about this. Once they de- deposited the money into Apple or Amazon, you know what they did not- next? Nothing. Not a thing. And it worked and worked and produced and produced and produced. That's what good habits do. Once they become a part of your life, they produce and produce and produce and produce. So, habits that we are going to develop are, and that we're calling you to commit to is this the habit of a weekly large group worship. worship. That you are like, for the next six weeks, you're gonna be here. For the next six weeks, you're going to be on the stream at this time. Now, a number of you are watching this on Tuesday night. Good to see you. It's great. I'm glad you're here. It's really good. I am challenging you, if it is all possible, to make it on Sunday mornings so that we are meeting together as a church, that we are in this together. We're stronger together. The habit of a small group fellowship, that you're going to get together with another group of people. We have streaming groups. We have uh, live groups. That you'll be able to get together, get together with other groups for the next six weeks. A habit of a daily time alone with God—that happens as you uh, get your book and you begin to work through that. And a habit of memorizing God's word. Memorizing God's word is—it's incredible. Now, if you're young, right? If you're young, now I take that back. If you're old, which most people, when they're 15 years old, about this subject, like I'm too old to memorize. I'm too old. I can't do it. It's not true. The elders have been memorizing. I, I, I memorized a whole chapter of the Bible. First time in my life I've ever done it, And we memorized a whole chapter, 1 uh, Timothy, together. It's amazing how it changes the way you think and the way you feel in certain situations. It's alive. It's one of those things that pays and pays and pays without you doing the work. Number four, we grow when we help each other grow. I want us to help each other with the faith we have. Your faith will help me, and my faith will help you. We need each other. So I have this question for you in in streaming as well. i got this question for you. One to ten. One being the lowest, ten being the highest. How essential are you to the growth of the person sitting next to you? How essential are you to the other families, the other people around our community that are watching this together? What would you give yourself? In other words, if you don't show up, if you don't bring your game, if you're not part of this, what happens to them? The Bible says you're a 10. No. No. I, I didn't say you are a 10 like you look like a 10. I didn't say that. I said you're a 10. You're essential. For, for those of you who've just started this faith journey, you may, you may get into a group or into a conversation with somebody who's been a believer for a long time and you share this story about this little bit of faith that, that has happened in your life or something, how you interact with Christ and you're like, whoa, oh, I didn't know that was true. You may not even know Christ yet, but you've been wrestling with this and, and you, you share that story and, and you think to yourself, well, I mean, I don't have much of a story. No, no, when I hear those stories, my faith leaps and grows. Because in my life, and this is true for most of, us, most of us, you're like, okay, I understand God does that in my life. I've seen God do amazing things in my life. But when I, do, when I watch him do it in your life, I'm like, whoa, he's real. You can't deny it. Look what he's doing. We need each other. Let us be, let us be concerned for one another to help one another, to show love, and to do good. Let us not give up that habit of meeting together, as some are, are doing. Instead, let us encourage one another all the more. Now, we're clearly in a time where this is being challenged to a huge degree. Because COVID has had a huge impact on this. The shutdown has had a huge impact on this. And so we have to work extra hard to make this happen now. Now, it doesn't matter if you're someone over here and you think you're really wise because you're like, listen, I'm younger, it's not that big a deal, I, I'm fine. No big deal. Or if you think you're really wise and you're like, no, listen, I know, I've seen the reports. Uh, we have, in our own church, we have a number of nurses who've worked on the floor with, this, with, with the COVID. And you're like, uh, it doesn't matter where you are on this spectrum. I am not asking you to take this step. God's Word is asking you to take this step. You see, the circumstances of our life don't change that, that, that we, we want to follow that, that principle. And for us to be able to grow, we have to follow this principle. So we have to do the extra effort. We have to do the hard work of being together. Whether that be streaming, whether that be in person, we, you, have got to do that. And what's that extra step? It's to join a small group. I think we have 15 groups ready to go, which is amazing. It's awesome. We have 15 groups ready to go. Some of them are uh, purely streaming groups. Some of them are are, are, uh, meet-in-person groups. Uh, We have them almost every night of the week, so you can be a part of this group. Uh, You can be a part of a group. And I am challenging you. We are challenging you. This whole next, the stronger together. This is what this is about. It's about every person who's listening to me today joining a group. I want to talk to those of you in streaming who, you've you've been a part of our church at a distance. We have no idea who you are. We've never seen you. You probably like that. I want to challenge you. God wants to grow you. I want to invite you to check out one of these streaming groups. Take this step because this is what God has to say. Now, if I were a billionaire, I'd pay you to join these groups because I know the difference it would make. If I was a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, I'd beat you up until you joined these groups. If I was a little prettier, I'd get the girls to, to join. I'd give you a kiss on the cheek. But the truth is, You shouldn't take this step because a human being has urged you or pushed you or encouraged you or cajoled you to do it. You should take this step because God wants to grow you and there's other people He wants to grow and He wants to do it through you. I don't don't want to be the person that has this backpack. It's my responsibility to get you into the group. No. It's your responsibility. Take this step. Take this responsibility. Five, we will grow when we expect to grow. Listen to this passage. Jesus said, according to your faith, will it be done to you? Now, faith is not a feeling. And so don't feel like, okay, so I, I have to know I'm going to grow. I have to be sure I'm going to grow. No. Faith is a reaction to God's promise. I know you're going to grow because this is what God's promised. So when you step into this, don't step into this because you have pressure from the outside. Step into this because, wait a minute, God's made me a promise. I'm going to accept that promise. And so I expect to grow. The reason I'm going to show up every week is because I expect to grow. The reason I'm going to be in group is because I expect to grow. The reason why I'm going to spend some time in God's Word every day is because I expect to grow. Let it come from the inside out. And number six, we grow when we commit You've practiced this principle your whole life. We grow when we commit to grow. We learn to ride a bike when we commit to ride a bike. When we, we get on that bike and we fall for the first time and we quit because we never committed. But everyone who's ever learned to ride a bike, they made a commitment and when they fell, They got back up, they got on that bike, and they rode again. Everybody who ever finished anything that's hard and meaningful, it's because they made a commitment to it and they kept the commitment. What's different about the next 40 days is we are going to make this commitment, not just between me and God, but I'm going to make this commitment to you. You're going to make this commitment to each other. You're going to join a group of people that are going to make a commitment to one another. You're not just making a commitment to yourself and to God, but to other people. That for the next 40 days, this is what I am going to do. And guess what? There will be obstacles. Now at this point, we're going to take communion. Like, whoa, we're shifting gears. We're not shifting gears at all. Because Christ... made a commitment to you. And he's, he's not only kept the commitment, he's keeping the commitment. If you're at home, would you go ahead and grab the, grab the elements? You guys can you have the elements there on your seat. The Bible says you will find me when you get serious about finding me. And want it more than anything else. Communion is about remembering the commitment that Christ has made to you. Communion is about remembering, wait a minute, this is a commitment I've accepted. Communion is about declaring that Jesus is the one, the only one, the most important one that I've accepted the commitment from and returned it back to. And it has some foundational pieces to it. One of those foundational pieces to it is the bread which was broken for you. You may have been flying all over the world, not in a plane, but all over your world. You're going back and forth. You're going after temptations. There's something specific in your life that Jesus has said, listen, that needs to leave your life. I want that out of your life. There's a sin that you've been going back to again and again and again. And this morning is the time to accept that his body was broken for that sin. You want to accept his sacrifice on your behalf. You want to accept the commitment. You see, what Jesus did is he made a commitment to you and he wanted to keep that commitment more than anything else. Do you accept his commitment to you? Will you give him your sin and accept his righteousness? If you want to, let's take the bread together. Lord Jesus, thank you for paying for my sin. Thank you for paying for each person's sin. And I pray, Lord, I want what you want. Lord, I want you. More than anything else in the world, I want to grow. And as we take these steps of doing this together, I'd ask that you, or I want to take those steps on the foundation that you died for me. In your name we pray, amen. The second part of it is the juice which represents his blood. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. It's factually true. The blood of Christ is so powerful it washes away your sin and leaves you white as snow. But that only came about because Christ set our but he made a commitment and that commitment cost him his life. He said, no, I want to give my life for you. This morning, will you accept that life? Will you accept that life and say, you know what? Jesus, I want want you. I'm going to make a commitment back. I'm going to enter into this new covenant where I belong to you where I break things and you fix them. But I'm honest with you and I'm open with you. And my my whole life is you. If, If you want to interact with Christ about that, if you want to declare to everyone around you and everyone you know that he and he alone has forgiven you of your sins and will take you to heaven, let's take it together. Lord Jesus, a new covenant. A place where you've made me holy and right. This covenant where you want to walk with me in any and every circumstance, in any and every failure. And that I belong to you. That my whole life is yours. And any success I'll ever have, it's going to be found in you. I want to grow in you. In your name we pray, amen. So, how do we build our lives? Around here we talk about building your life, building a life worth living. How do you do that? Well, you don't start with a breakthrough of your own. You start with the breakthrough that Christ has given you, which is, one, He's died for you and will forgive you. Two, He'll make you righteous and pure and holy. Three, He gives you a purpose. He gives you a mission. You see, a life worth living is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And any breakthrough that we're going to experience in the next six weeks is going to be built right here on the foundation of Jesus Christ and today he has asked us to build some habits to make a commitment to give ourselves for the next 40 days to his word to each other and to him Will you make that commitment? I'm gonna pray, and after I pray, they're gonna go back to that song breakthrough. The beginning of the song starts with pictures and images of our family. We want you to stay seated during that time. And I want you to have a conversation with Jesus. A very specific conversation about your decision that you want to grow, and you want to grow His way, and you're going to commit to stronger together in prayer for the next six weeks of your life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you this amazing truth. Each and every person who is hearing my voice right now They are promised to grow over the next six weeks. You've given us the principles to follow. You've given us a family to do it with. And you gave us your life. The power to change us from the inside out. I, Lord, I make that commitment this morning. I'm in. I'm all in and I'm sure that some of you are listening and they go yeah well he's the pastor of course he's in don't do that there is no difference between you and I when it comes to making this commitment there's you and Jesus and this family will you make the commitment Jesus invites you to be a part of stronger together in prayer Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.